Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Man Baggage. This is part two of a discussion with Greg Rutherford and Giovanna Fletcher about self-care. Do you think, Greg, that there could be a negative aspect to, to that? I mean, everywhere I turn now, it's, you know, self-care, self-improvement. Every influencer, there's influential speakers. And the problem is, some of them are excellent and the real deal and genuine. Yeah. I've worked with a brilliant one called Paul Moore. I went and worked with a group of guys he's helping. Fantastic. And other people appear to be sort of slightly Americanized bullshit version. You can waste your life getting sucked, sucked into the bullshit of goals that can't be... You know, manifest it. What the fuck? I'm all for positive thinking, yeah? Nothing wrong, ladies and gentlemen, ladies, with positive thinking and, and wanting a better life. But to think, all oh, my business will be successful, but even if I just stay on my ass holding the remote control by calling the power of the stars or something, it's fucking bollocks. Yeah, that, that, Surely. some of that stuff really frustrates me because you just you genuinely just have somebody there just being really animated and excitable about the, the fact that they've done very well. And if you follow their plan, which is get up at six o'clock in the morning and do an hour's workout, then go and do a bit on your business, then take a... It's all these really ridiculous things, but it seems to be if people say, you know, they're not... Obviously, they do work to a certain degree, but everybody's business obviously isn't the same. Everybody's life isn't the same. But what I think you often find is, is people are then just desperate to latch onto something that can make them successful. And I think the problem we have now with social media, everything else that's out there, is the, people, the fact that you're seeing these things all the time. You go on an explore page on Instagram, whatever it is, and you're seeing these incredible people overseas who great bodies doing great things, having a great time. And you think, I want that. And then if you've got I do, I do, stuff, I do stuff in England as well. <coughs> well, I was going to mention yours is particularly <laughs> inspiring. Um, so, but it, it is one of those things that you, you look at and, and you can, for people who obviously aren't as fulfilled as they could be, they look at that and they I want that. Then you have somebody else going, well, if you do these yeah. six steps and pay me 50 grand a year to do it, you'll have it too. That then, that we've, we've gone from self-help to basically what you said, effectively bullshit. Like, it's just somebody trying to mm. cash in on other people's sadness to a certain degree. Because uh, no matter how much you manifest about wanting to win the lottery, it's not particularly likely to happen. There is no correlation. There's no correlation. The worst, the worst one I heard was from my own wife the other day, which was like, we we're going. in fact, yesterday, we're going to London, and I packed an umbrella. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting an umbrella in, just in, but I've checked the forecast, it's not going to rain. So I'm taking a tiny umbrella, it doesn't affect you. Yeah, but don't do that, cause we don't want it to rain. As though, <laughs> as though I could have a negative weather god effect on the, on the cloud simply by carrying a totes brolly. It's a sort of a, like you're, you're passing off your thinking to some supernatural force. I'm not anti-religious, that's why I hate the term atheist, I just I have, I have no 
faith. I, believe, I like to believe in things I can control. But we're in a grey area here, Giovanni, with good thought because we could, it's quite easy to disagree. No one's suggesting we should have depressive, negative thoughts. Absolutely not, ladies and gentlemen. But what I'm suggesting is it's quite dangerous to overvalue the power of positive thinking because positive action is better than positive thinking. But isn't that a thing in itself, like you said about religion? We are effectively losing religion. A lot yeah, less of us believe the than ever before. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's that thing. So whereas people used to have a faith, they used to have a focus, True. we don't necessarily have that now. So all this self-care stuff, I wonder how much of the message is actually the same in a way in giving people yes. that focus yes, a void. Um, and I that agree. drive. Yeah. But, well, it's interesting because there is a link here. These two things have been studied and it links to what you're saying. So mm. people are like, well, okay, Russell, playing devil's advocate to myself. If you're, what you're saying is true, that good thoughts don't give better outcomes, explain this, and this is a fact. Why do people okay. that believe in God live longer than atheists, for example? Why do people who are happily married live longer than single people? Another fact. Sorry, single people. These, these are facts. If you believe in God, I don't care which type of God it is, uh, it can be the one that believes Prince Philip is a God because some crates arrived in an island. That is a genuine religion. You will outlive the cold, dead-on-the-inside atheist like me, on average. But how long? How long? It's so difficult to study. Are when we you talking months? It. Are we talking years? Do I have to go to church on Sunday? If you control out the variable, there's a, there's a couple okay. of year discrepancy between okay. atheists. But there's also there's a bigger discrepancy between uh, married and unmarried. But interesting, only in men. So women that stay miserably single live just as long as married women. <laughs> but men who don't have a wife just don't make it. I can only assume they poison themselves with their own wank sock or something. <laughs> But the, uh, that, but which I believe this is, this is it. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm building to a conclusion that positive thought can create positive outcomes. But what turned out to be is not the case. It was quite the opposite. And the best study they've done is in this area, it's in this, in this Copperfield area. Funnily enough, they studied breast cancer outcomes. Okay, survivor right. versus non-surviving. And they compared positive thinking, breast cancer battlers with negative thinking when all the symptoms all the age and everything's the same there was no difference in outcome and that will probably i imagine work for any other cancers any other flu covid colds you can stay in with your positive thinking as much as you like there is no evidence there is some slight evidence with long-term health outcomes with negative thinking and cholesterol in heart attack and men quite a lot of evidence that's stress though that's a different thing what makes the difference, and this is why things like Copperfield are so important, this is why religion's important, even though I'm an atheist, is community support. What's happening on a Sunday has got bugger all to do with a dove coming out of God's bum during Easter. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not up to Christianity. Oh, that sounds like the story. I, 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 I might have the story slightly wrong there. Yeah. I wish that was it. That, <laughs> I, more people nowadays would go. It's nothing to do with the resurrection or Philip's crates uh, uh, arriving on the shores or Jesus or God or Easter. What it's to do with is getting together every Sunday. If we were all uh, committed Christians, you may well be for all I know, and going, you all right, Greg, how's the family? Bit of money in the pot. They, they need some clothes. They need help at the food, but looking out for each other. This is what's happening on your Copperfield Walk. So a breast mm. cancer battler that joins you on your walk will have better outcomes, not because it's a lovely, positive, cuddly weekend. It's just the fact of being connected to other human beings. We are wired neuroprotectively and cardiovascularly to be physically near other human beings, not on Zoom, 
not on WhatsApp, not on voice note, but in proximity to others. The ultimate self-care is just being with friends or community. And that doesn't cost anything. No. Uh, it just blew my mind when I saw this because, of course, the people in religion jumped on the fact, oh, it's belief, it's a spiritual good feeling in your heart. Absolutely nothing. If atheists got together every Sunday in their atheist church and had, like, humanist services and just, like, funny poems, which people tried to get going in London, I believe, a couple of comics tried to do it, it would have the same effect, one would argue. So I just wonder what you think of that, knowing that it's sort of smoking gun proof that positive thinking in self-care as nice as it might feel won't do you as much good as being slightly negative around a table with a group of friends are all looking out for each other but i guess isn't that the thing with that though <laughs> by being quite positive i guess you generally attract more people to want to be around you or more people want there to invite that. you to be around places mm. so actually if you are just like being a bit of a dick most of the time i can imagine people don't really want to be around you as much so then it's just going to spiral in something else so i guess the positive from that point of view just helps bring people into your life and helps you in that way. So there's definitely, I'd say, a benefit. And the other thing is as well, if you're enriching other people's lives around you by being positive, then that's just a much nicer conversation yep. to be in and around anyway. So I, I guess it's just a good thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me that just by being super positive, it doesn't change. Because like, there have been periods of time where I've yeah. tried to be super positive and not, and it's, yeah, it's not really changed much. But it also, also, Gian, it plays into the hands of these slightly easy solipsistic download. Oh, I need to feel better. I'll just download an app and stay in on my own still. Right, I've done my positivity. It's not enough. There's nothing like human connection. Having a conversation with your postman will do, will do you better than that. You know, and the more city-dwelling, packed-in, social media, emotionally illiterate we get, the harder this stuff seems to become. I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with someone, like a proper one, someone serving me in a shop or someone checking my ticket on a train. The thought of it makes me go, ugh. I used to be oh, like Oh, but that. doesn't it feel great when you yes, do that? Yes, I have this thing where I, I, if I'm out on a walk, I cannot walk past someone without saying something. Agreed. I, I've <laughs> realised exactly it's, like, it's like a Tourette's type thing that I have. My dad does it as well. I make a comment about something and I walk away and I feel like a little bit lighter. I feel, I feel, I feel good because I've had yes. that connection. And, you know, it's one of those things why, you know, when you're out in a, in a supermarket and you see an elderly person doing their shopping, I love, I love stopping and having a chat because you don't know how often that person, if they might have a bigger social life than me, they probably do. But if I think about my nan, who spent the majority of her life sat on the sofa in front of the TV watching VHS tapes of, of films that she'd taped off the TV over the years, you know, it was, it was a, vol a very, like, lonely experience. But her trips to Tesco's once a week, where she would walk around singing, you know, different songs and meeting people, that was a highlight of her week. So to know that you can be a part of that for someone else, I love that idea. So, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm always stopping and talking to people. That's that positivity, isn't it? That's that enriching somebody else's day or life as much as you can when you, again, walking past, saying hello, just taking the time. That's the big thing I think I notice with people, especially now. And with the elderly, it's an amazing thing. If you start, like, for example, I, I don't know, I've just taught it something that uh, stuck with me. Anybody that's significantly older than you, I always refer to them, men, sir, and madam, generally. with, with the, And it's a really weird thing, like, but it's just sort of stuck with me. And again, you see an old man, well, like, oh, good afternoon, sir, how are you doing? And, and it's like this double take where they're, oh, he's actually being nice and, and oh, he wants to talk to me. And I think we, we, we are losing that in, in society slightly. And, and you're, you're having maybe younger generations who are completely switched off from that. 
But then when you do take that time, you really genuinely see how much happier it makes people feel. So I, I love doing it. And the only annoying thing I have from my point of view is I'll go for a run and then pretty much everybody I end up stopping talking to. And I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, for God's sake. I've like, been out all the time I'm meant to be You're out. You're so slow today. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> then, then that competitiveness, then I run even harder and then end up yeah, dying towards the end. But no, I, I, I think there was a big thing about being nice and trying to just make other people's days, even if you're having a crap day yourself, which sometimes happens in my situation, you, just, you feel awful, whatever else. But just by making somebody else smile, I think you definitely feel better. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But do you think that some of the technology that's developed... It means well, social media, Facebook, connections. We're, we're able to message and check in with each other quicker than easy before. But it's accidentally taken away some of the connection which does the real good. They also, in this same study, if you want to read this book that I'm referring to all these studies from, it's called The Village Effect by Susan Pinker. It is fucking fantastic. They're trying to get to the bottom of why people live to 100 in certain parts in the world. You know, it's, it can't be cholesterol. It can't be this. It can't be that. In the end, she's plumped down. She is related to Stephen Pinker, the other professor genius. I'm an overachieving, annoying family. <laughs> but uh, it seems to be that the areas of the world where men live to 100, just like the women, have geographical quirks, i.e. we all live in a the side of a mountain or something in Sardinia. So I can't isolate... Well, they're cut off. No, yeah, but also I can't isolate myself as a miserable old man. There's cousins and yeah, aunties yeah. running through the whole time. So as much as I want to be sort of smelly old man sat in the house on my own, there's no choice because I've got, you know, your auntie, your cousin's always coming. So they never, they, even if they wanted to, they can't be isolated. And that happens again and again in what they call the blue zones all over the world. But I wonder if in our, in our society, which is a more you know regular society, whether you're living in the country or the city in, in the UK, or indeed wherever else you're listening to this, whether this technology, it gives the... I've done it today. I'm on the lads' WhatsApp group, sent hundreds of messages. I've checked in with a couple of friends of mine who I'm worried about. I sent a text message to my mum, you're all right. It's a bullshit version of what I should be doing. I'm not saying it's that nothing is better but I'm saying it dangerously makes you feel like you've done enough when you probably haven't. But Russell, how do you feel when someone actually calls you? When your phone rings, yeah. how do you feel? 
Well, it's annoying. <laughs> but, that's but, the thing, isn't it? That's the realness. That's that's an actual conversation right the there. The same study oh. suggests the phone calls don't cut it. Phone calls don't cut really? it. FaceTime doesn't cut it. Well, actually, FaceTime and HD Zoom has not been studied. There's probably the closer the, and more HD and more immersive this technology feels, the closer we probably get to it doing good. But I suspect there's something to do with pheromones, touch, gesture, mm. body language that as yet we do not have the technology. And a telephone is a million miles away from that. A lot of people are very uncomfortable speaking on, on the phone. You can't uh, read. Sure, this has been studied. Women tend to be more uncomfortable having a conversation like that on the phone because they use so much more in the room when they're talking, as yeah. it were. So I think even telephone's dangerous. If like Giovanni's feeling down and I have a good 40-minute conversation with you and I've talked to you out of a hole, I feel like I've done my bit. But if that phone didn't exist, if we lived in, I probably would have come over and had a couple yeah, of tea true. and checked yeah. in with you and the kids and made sure you're okay. And I guess, what's the filmic version? The filmic version isn't someone sat down on the phone for half an hour. The film version is your best mates, like, landing on your doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a reason for it because it is that human connection that I, I feel like we all, we all crave, really. But so on my, question, my question to you two is, is social media making this more dangerous? Because Instagram is so sophisticated now i felt like i've connected with about 100 people's lives on my train journey home today but i've connected with no one not really that's the big thing isn't it and, and the problem is with social media is where you're only ever seeing that window of what's going on and 99.9 percent .9 of the time people are just putting up what you, what they want you to see so really you don't know and there is that big thing obviously you're right i have certain friends that i probably don't speak to as much on the phone but come over as much as they possibly can see the kids probably more than see me but there's just with the fact that they're here and there's they are those friends that i know are going to be coming over within the next couple of weeks and it's always something i look forward to but it wasn't that long ago as well and we were all of that generation really before phones were as prevalent as they are now i mean you i'd be at school or whatever else and you'd say i'm going to meet a load of friends at saturday when i was in milton Keynes. we'd be up the city so anybody who's listening who's in around milton Keynes would know what that means and you're literally going to the shopping center in milton Keynes. you'd say 12 o'clock or whatever, and you'd go and meet each other. And all of what you did was mm. being outside, being around people. You all just met and you spent time together. And I think being involved in that community was, was a far better place. We've mo removed ourselves so much from that now. There has to be a change, I think, especially with the way that people obviously now come to terms with the fact that probably this level of effectively isolation, as it often is, because of, of, of tech and social media, has caused so many problems. We have to reinvent just going outside and seeing people, really. And there has to be some form of movement to it because we all feel so much better when we do it. But what's the answer to do it? How do you get there? I've got to say, though, that, you know, and I guess this is something that I've really discovered through the podcast, that communities can be built online and they can be really vital and really important. If I think about the, my inbox of the different mums who have got in touch after listening to the podcast, you know, which if we're looking at maternal mental health, the leading cause of death in new mums is suicide. So listening to a podcast, listening to feeling part of a community, even if it is online, that makes you realise that these thoughts and feelings that you're having, it's not just you, you know, that there is help out there. There is so much good that can come from it as well. You know, and I kind of feel like, you know, if you look back to weird diet things where it says you know this isn't a substitution for exercise or for other meals whatever those diet pills and stuff are it's kind of like what you're doing online is a let this help you but at the same time it's not a substitution for real life 
go outside, meet your friends, you know, have all of that stuff. This is just here for, you know. And that's the danger with the more pernicious types of this technology, like Instagram, mm. is it, when you're talking about things like maternal mental health or men's mental health, the technology and the resources like the podcast or things like this, we're very careful to present ourselves as, if you need help, do seek out someone, check in with a friend, visit. But these other technologies are seeking to do the opposite. They're seeking to present themselves as the world in itself. You don't need anything else as long as yeah. you're hot on Insta and Twitter. Anyway, um, I don't want to dwell too much on so- social media. It's not here to defend itself. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to ask you, Greg, just about sport, what what, what it's like in your world, because it doesn't have the best rep with self-care and looking after it doesn't matter I can't think of a sport that has a good rep no. really whether it's at athletic athletics football yeah people sort of tend to end up on their own a lot I mean I realize it's got a lot better throughout the years but I just watched that two-part Gaza documentary on BBC iPlayer it seems to be the more successful you are the more danger you're in yeah it's a really difficult one and actually since retiring from track there's more and more people that I've spoken to that you realize probably going through similar things that, that you are at times because you are often on your own, you're, you're, you're away from others, your, your thoughts can be quite dangerous at times, I think, in those situations. With the pressures of sport, often there's the scenario where you have to keep winning, you have to keep performing for others, even if you feel like crap. Olympic sports are particularly difficult for this because fundamentally it generally comes down to one day, which is an Olympic Games. You have four years building up to it. And there's an, an awful lot that goes in between that, world champs, commas, whatever it might be, championship-wise, but people only ever really remember the Olympic Games. So when it goes wrong, it really does affect people. And as I said, during it, when, when you, you're in that process of, of just knocking down, doing all the training and dealing with whatever you're dealing with, you never really think other people are going through similar things. But they do. And again, it's, it's a really odd thing. It, it's, it's sort of deemed to be a level of weakness while you're still active and being an athlete or sports person to talk about it around other people because you're, you're, you're so desperate not to give any of your competitors an edge. And as, as ridiculous as that sounds, and that's how it's always been, but that, that's definitely starting to change. More people are now willing to reach out, seek help, and just try and have those conversations. But it's difficult. And I think probably most people listening or yourselves, well, if you're on your own for a period of time and things aren't going great, your, your own brain can do some terrible things to you and really put you in some dark places. I would like to see more from sports as well, because look, I went for my, my entire career without anybody ever really asking me if I was okay. Nobody within the sport at all ever came to me. Well, there's no therapy sessions or anything? No, nothing, nothing. Look, from my point of view, I went from August the 3rd, 2012, not a single person knowing nor caring about what I did, unless you're probably a family member or, the, or a very, very deep athletics fan, there's about seven of them in the world, <laughs> to then overnight my life completely and utterly changing. And you're dealing with so much stuff. And I mean, my mind was on a far lower scale to, to some of the others, Jess and Mo, for example, and other Olympians at that Games. But for the first year, 18 months, the amount of shit that you're dealing with is brutal and expectation and what people say and think. And you've never dealt with that before. Nobody ever stopped. Not a single person from what would have been UK athletics, British athletics, none of the staff members, whatever, Nobody stopped to ask if you're okay. And from my understanding is that still doesn't happen. Aftercare in sport as well is awful. Where do you think that duty of care should come from? Because you're obviously, you've all got your individual trainers and so where is the umbrella that looks after everyone? Well, fundamentally within Olympic sports, you have a national government body that runs your sport and they dictate most things to you, where, what you do, where you can train, if you're getting funded, etc. So 
from that level, there has to be an understanding that for athletes, either having a good day or a bad day, things change quite dramatically. And it doesn't matter what sport you're doing. That's what can happen. And you're having to deal with things that not many other people deal with at the same time, if that makes sense. especially in Olympic sports. Once every four years, you have that success, you have to deal with it. And there's nothing. There's currently, I mean, I've spoken to young athletes still around who are still in the system now, and not a single one have ever said to me that anybody's ever asked if they're okay. And they, they seek out people who were previously in those positions, other athletes, to be the voice of reason in certain situations. And from my point of view, that's not right. You've got kids out there, look, you're going to gymnastics or something like that. You've got kids that are competing in the Olympic Games that are 15, 16 years of age. Like you're in situations where certain sports have genuinely have children in there. And what it comes down to is how good they perform and if they bring home a shiny medal. Nothing to do with the other side of things, which I, I, I really struggle to, to get my head around. I always feel like, um, I mean, I'm not suggesting it's easy to be an author's got to be one of the most solitary things you can do. And let's face it, the comedian uh, health outcomes, not the best. In fact, when you try to get life insurance as a comedian, you literally sit in the same box as soldier and scaffolder. What? Uh, so, because wow. the, health, the health outcomes for a comedian are so bad. However, when you're a comedian or an author, yes, one minute you're hot, one minute you're not. There's always that hope you know that something could happen later in life. You could be get that 80-year-old, I think it's Penelope Lively, start knocking out novels and winning Booker Prizes in your 80s. Plenty of comics turn into like, you know, older men or women ranting into the wind and have second wins. I always feel like with athletics or football, you know, <laughs> it don't matter how hard you train, that guillotine is coming mm. slowly down and it's coming down young. Yeah, big time. And that's the most fucked up thing I can. I mean, I don't. I don't want to go into any further. You've, you've illustrated it perfectly, but I always think that is the difference between yes, it's solid, a totally solitary bastard profession, author and comedian. Try and get your life insurance sorted if you say you're an author or comedian. Good luck with that. But uh, at least there's, there, there's that little bit of hope there. Anyway, we are out of time here. It's a fascinating chat. It's such a shame. Um, but thank you guys very much for joining me, um, Giovanna Fletcher. It's Walking on Sunshine, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Make sure you make sure you get a copy of Walking on Sunshine. Attend the book tour and connecting a meaningful way with Giovanna if you see her. <laughs> uh, just, or just shout a noun to her as she walks past, an adjective or an adverb. Not only will it be the minimum connection required, it will also probably be dropped into the next work of fiction. <laughs> and... So thank you, Giovanna. Thank you very much, Greg Rutherford. It was fascinating, particularly the end there, hearing sort of the insights into self-care and what it's like being a professional athlete and that transition into civvy life, which you seem to be doing uh, wonderfully. Thank you very D- much. Hashtag dancer. <laughs> hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag terrible dancer. Yes. Uh, if you've come here as fans of either of these two people, highly likely, do hang around, hit subscribe, leave a lovely review, or just come up to me and review me to my face. That, after all, is more meaningful. I've been Russell Kane. Don't do that, please. Goodbye. <laughs> up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 